All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, Lord. And tonight, we just want to, we just want to bathe in your glorious goodness, Lord. Bathe us with your word tonight, Father, and uh, we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. So tonight, we're going to finish up uh, the Old Testament. And uh, if you're not familiar with what's going on here, we, uh, we've got some uh, outlines in the back there that, uh, where we're going through the Bible in a year. And uh, we're finishing up tonight the Minor Prophets. And I'll tell you what, it was a challenge uh, trying to figure out uh, what, what to talk about tonight. I mean... I had nine books to choose from and uh, more than 40 chapters <laughs> in those books to choose from. And honestly, I, st I started out about a week or so ago and I thought, well, I'm going to teach Micah. You know, Micah, it's got that great thing about uh, God love mercy and do justly and all that. And I, I, can, I can do that. But then as I started reading through all of uh, the other prophets, I mean, there's some really, um, some really good stuff in each one of these books. But as I was reading, uh, Habakkuk uh, really impressed me the most about what I wanted to teach tonight. And so uh, that's, what, that's what I'm going to go with. So um, if you turn, turn your Bibles to Habakkuk, and uh, that's on page 1344 in my Bible. Um, anyway, Habakkuk, uh, many people think, was a Levite, and he possibly was a musician. If you look at chapter 3, uh, there's a lot of Selahs in there, and it talks about Shiganoths, and we, we kind of uh, associate that with, with um, a musical instrument, possibly. But uh, he was a contemporary of Jeremiah, and uh, he had a lot of concern for Judah. I'm not sure exactly when, what time period he taught because he doesn't really mention any kings uh, or associate himself with any kings in, in his uh, prophecy. However, we know that um, it looks like uh, Babylon is uh, getting you know, more and more prevalent. They're on the world scene and they're, they're, it looks like they're um, starting to take over a lot of countries. Uh, and we know eventually uh, Israel and Judah are going to be two of the countries they take over. Um, two questions that um, Habakkuk has. And uh, let's just read a little bit, starting in uh, the first chapter. And uh, the, pro the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. I think that that uh, verse right there was what impressed me about wanting to teach uh, this tonight because there are so many people right now in our world I feel like are just crying out I'm not sure everybody's crying out for the Lord but 
that's who they should be crying out for. And um, anyway, that's that's kind of what brought me to this scripture. Um, he's he's pleading with God about uh, you know there's so much in Judah going on uh, the everybody is corrupt it seems like and and there's just he, he just can't stand all this carnality that's going on and he wants God to do something about it um, the wicked are prospering in Judah and um, so and to go on in, in verse uh, 3 it says why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me, and there is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. So Habakkuk's saying, if you're, if you're not going to do anything about this, well then, don't show it to me. Don't tell me about it. Don't, don't show it to me. Just let me go away from it and... and and that way I won't have to deal with it. Um, in, starting in verse 5, we see the, the Lord's reply to Habakkuk. Uh, the Lord says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. So <laughs> I love it because God's going to tell him, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, but you're not going to believe what's going to happen. You're probably not going to like what's going to happen. You're going to be astounded at what happened, what I'm, what I'm going to do. Um, he hits him with this answer to that question. And um, for indeed I'm raising up the Chaldeans, verse 6, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind and they gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense ascribing this power to his God. So right there he, he talks about how terrible the Babylonians are, or the Chaldeans. They're one and the same. Uh, the Babylonians are called Chaldeans at times. And they're an evil, evil people. They're violent, and um, again, they, they're in control of much of the world because of their uh, violence and, and just they're terrorizing all the nations around them. Uh, and, and even worse than that, in verse 11, they're ascribing this power to his God. They're... they're saying their God is above all other gods. And they, they have numerous gods, and most of these gods are all about war and violence and, and, and power. Um, and, and also um, uh, chastising other nations and people. 
So what, what happens now? Well, he has the first question answered, and so now he's got a second question. Uh, in verse, 11, uh, verse 12 it says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are purer eyes than in than, than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours? A person more righteous than he. Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet because by them their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? So Habakkuk here now he's saying, Lord, what, what are you doing? How can you use this evil people to, to discipline Judah. I mean, I know the people in Judah are evil, but I mean, these guys are 10 times worse than that. So what, you know, the cure is worse than, than the disease. So, you know, we're bad, but they're worse. So how can, how can you do that, Lord? How can you, how can you do this? Uh, using this evil people uh, to chastise Judah. But uh, we'll, we're going to find out here in a minute what, because the Lord will answer him again. But after, after Habakkuk says all this, in chapter 2, he starts out, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. And what and what I will answer when I am corrected. So I guess somewhere in his heart, Habakkuk understands that, you know, he's not in charge and he's, so he's upset because of what's going on and what, what God is going to do. But at the same time, uh, he knows God is holy and he's going he's gonna to stand his watch and um, he's going to wa- watch to see what, he, what God will say to him, and, uh, and when he hears that answer, he's going to stand corrected about whatever the Lord tells him. Um, in verse 2, the Lord does answer him, and it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry so he's telling Habakkuk there what he's doing it's written it says it's uh, it's written. It's made plain on the tablets. 
In other words, it's, it's going to happen. I've written it down. It's uh, going to happen in the time I've appointed for it, and nothing is going to stop what I'm going to do. And, um, and then we come to verse 4, which is, I think, probably one of the most important um, verses in, the, in this uh, teaching and in his prophecy. It says, Behold the proud, his, and the proud, he's talking again here about uh, Babylon, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. This is such an important point here, the just shall live by faith. And there are several other references in the New Testament, one in uh, Romans and uh, there's another one in Hebrews where they quote uh, this very verse here. And what is faith? You know, what, what does he mean by that? Well, we know in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What's that mean, you know? I, I mean, it's a, great, it's a great verse, but to explain it a little bit, uh, it's not really a definition of faith, but it's about what we should be feeling in our hearts. And um, it's not, uh, one thing that it isn't is blind optimism. Uh, blind faith doesn't do us any good in anything. And it's, uh, it's not a belief in spite of evidence either because if you believe something without evidence, that's just superstition. Um, Bible faith is confidence in spite of your circumstances. And if we obey God's word, despite our circumstance, no matter how impossible or just whatever circumstance we're in, if we trust in the Lord, you know, he's going to take care of that circumstance. Now, is it always going to be the way that we, that we want it to be done? Probably not. Is it going to be in our time? <laughs> Definitely not. But God, uh, he, he knows what's best for us, and he loves us. And that's, that's two things that we can never, ever forget. Um, we just need to do what's right. And uh, he always tells us to trust in him. Too many times I think we try to solve our own problems, you know, through our own strength and through our own feelings of, of I don't know, position or power. Or, um, and we're so impatient. Because, and, but why are we impatient sometimes? But it's because we have a weak faith. If our faith is not strong, then... then we're always going to, uh, you know, flounder around and, and look for maybe the world's way to, to solve our problems. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, Micah a little earlier, uh, but, you know, Micah 6.8, it does tell us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Uh, I wanted to talk about it a little earlier. I 
just yesterday evening, I was watching the, um, the news, and they had a story on uh, about uh, young boys that were being taken uh, from their families and sometimes being sold uh, into slavery. Um, and um, it wasn't, a, they didn't say what country it was, but they were, these boys, they were taking them and they were working on, on this river and they were having like eight, nine, 10, 11 year old boys. They were diving down, uh, doing these things underwater. And they talked about how their lungs weren't um, developed enough yet that they shouldn't be doing that. A lot of these boys die when, when they're doing this diving. And you know, so they just go out and, and get another one. This one uh, young boy that they interviewed, um, he had been sold by his dad to pay off a debt that, that he had. I think it was uh, like maybe $500 that his dad owed. And his, the period of his uh, slavery was 15 years. They asked this uh, young boy what, uh, you know, if you had a wish, what, what would you wish for? What, what would you like to see happen? And he said, for God to punish them. And I thought that was, that fits right in with what uh, Habakkuk was, was talking about here. God, why don't you punish these guys? They're bad, they're evil. And, but one day, hopefully, that young boy will be rescued and, and uh, you know, praise God, one day we're gonna be rescued from this earth as well. God's so good. I'm not going to read all this next part here. Um, it's uh, these next few verses are about woes that that God uh, goes into. Um, it's uh, sins, uh, sins of Babylon. Um, he talks first about their drunkenness. Um, Second, he talks about uh, their covetous, covetousness for evil things. Uh, verse 9, woe to him who covets evil gain for his house. Uh, the third one is uh, woe to him who builds a, a town with uh, bloodshed. Uh, and that's how they built their kingdom. They've, they've gone in and just annihilated some people actually. and. Um, I won't go into some of the atrocities they commit, but but they were they were a vicious and violent people. The fourth woe um, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk. Um, they exposed others to the evil that they were doing. Not the least of these was drunkenness, nudity, and violence. And, and I think about how, how we struggle with that as Christians, and we struggle with that when, I mean, we have to be so discretionary about what entertainment we go look at because there is so much uh, violence and, and nudity and, and these kind of things. Um, coarse language and all of these kind of things so you got to be very careful about but that's what 
the Babylonians were indoctrinating all these people that they conquered into. They wanted to make them like themselves. Now, I don't know why, whether that made them feel better about themselves or what, but um, finally, uh, the last thing was um, about idolatry. Uh, it's, a, it, it's incredible to me, and I, I'm sure to you guys too, uh, about how people can trust. Of course, th this was in, in, in the ancient times, but how these people can trust in something that they made with their own hands. I mean, we've talked about it a lot here already, uh, going through some of the other prophets, and I'm sure we'll get into it some with Jeremiah as well. And, you know, there's, how can you make a, a wooden idol or make something out of gold or, or stone? I mean, you know, stone can't talk to you, right? I mean, wood can't talk to you. How can you worship something like that when you know, it doesn't have eyes to see or ears to hear or a mouth to speak. Um, but that's, that's what the Babylonians did. That's what they uh, believed in. And it was, it's, it was, it's going to catch up with them one day. And God proclaims that in, in these verses. Um, finally, in uh, verse 20... But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So he's telling Habakkuk here, I told you enough. I'm not telling you anymore. So just keep silent and, and uh, you know, trust in me. That's all you need to do is, is to keep quiet and trust in me. You don't need to have an explanation for everything that I'm doing. Because we know his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and so um, God works out all things for our good. And, and we just have to remember that. And, and Habakkuk here is going to, um, he's going to give in to that. He says, O Lord, in chapter 3, verse 2, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. Selah. And I, that's what I'm saying here. Um, you know, in the first verse, he says a prayer of Habakkuk, uh, the prophet on Shigin and all. Nobody's sure exactly what that means. Um, I'm, I, I kind of feel like that's some kind of a musical reference, personally. His glory covered the heavens, and earth was full of his praise. So he's going to go in here to talking about um, some of the history of, of Judah and Israel, how God rescued them from so many uh, different things. Um, throughout their history and he, he um, 
he talks about uh, a couple of things there about where uh, one where Joshua and uh, it's in verse 9 or verse 11 uh, the sun and the moon stood still in their habitation and that's a reference to when uh, the God made the day longer so Joshua could, t- could take care of business um, Habakkuk, with this change of attitude that he had, um, it reminds me that, that when we do have trials ourselves, um, we, we tend to look at our circumstances, um, some, our circumstances that are right in front of us, you know, and, and sometimes we can't see past that. Uh, these our circumstances seem so huge and so overwhelming and so urgent to us and when Hab- when like Habakkuk we are saying to God how long and we not here we need also in our lives to look back at what what God's done for us I was at my mom and dad's uh, today and they were they were just down a little bit um, I mean, they're in a circumstance as well right now. My mom and dad are both 92 years old. It's hard for them to get around, and and um, but uh, I talked to him about this. I said, you know, when you're when you look at your circumstance and you're feeling down, you need to look back at all the good years that God gave you. And you can't just judge what God's doing now as what's going to happen to the rest of your life. You just have to trust in Him because we all know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In verse, um, starting in verse 17, um, we see a hymn of faith. And Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. So, total surrender, that's what Habakkuk came to. Though, 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 though the fig tree may not blossom, though the labor of the olive tree may fail, though the flock may be cut off, he, um, in fact, uh, as I was uh, researching, um, says uh, the part in verse uh, 18 where it says, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. It actually means he was jumping for joy when he said, I will rejoice in the Lord. The, the word, that word for rejoice uh, meant jump for joy. 
And um, we know our covenant promise through Christ is um, it's so much greater and for us right now than the Old Testament people didn't have that, you know. They didn't have Christ, the Messiah, and, and uh, that promise. Even though it does talk about the promises of the Messiah, um, he hadn't come yet, and um, they, did, they just didn't have the Holy Spirit as well, the helper to help them. Clarity, peace, and joy can come to us when we come to the Lord with surrendered hearts and honor him with our faith. I think the probably the single greatest lesson, at least for me, in, in this book is that the just will live by faith and that peace is found only in a walk of faith and trust. And that's not a blind faith. We talked about that earlier, but one that allows us to freely trust in the Lord. You know, at the beginning, Habakkuk was questioning God, question after question. And, you know, questions just sometimes, like, like for him here, it just, after God told him one thing, he just had another question. And how long can you go? I mean, it's question after question after question after question. But as we've, if we've said here before, we don't live and God doesn't give explanations. We live by our faith through his promises. And that's what we can rely on. Uh, we can question God's motives in our lives. We can question his actions, what he's doing. But ultimately, he's in control. He's sovereign. And we need to, be, uh, need to remember to be faithful, to trust in his judgments and, and in his actions. And to close, I think, uh, one of the verses in the New Testament that came to my mind, besides that verse in Hebrews, was, <clears throat> excuse me, in Philippians 4, and verse 6 and 7. And Paul tells us, and he was telling the Philippians, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And what a better way to say it than that. Uh, Paul is so eloquent in, in uh, everything he says in, in his letters and his epistles. And um, we, can, we can take heart in that and remember that, that those verses in the scripture be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. And again, we talked so much about with thanksgiving. We need to be thankful all the time for what God does for us in our lives. And, uh, you know, he may not bless us how we think. But again, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight, Lord. 
Lord, help us as we face this life on earth to remember that this is only our temporary resting place. One day, Lord, as we trust in you, as we abide in you, as we grow in our faith, Lord, we know that we can look forward to that day when we will be with you in heaven. So, Lord, tonight I would just ask you to guide us as we go from this place this evening. And, Lord, help us to be bold to tell others about how much you love them, how much you care about each and every person upon this earth. Your word tells us that it's your desire for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to gain that knowledge of the truth and that we might share that truth with others. So lead us and guide us, Lord, and I'll just give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.